More pandemic relief is officially on the way. In late December of last year, then President Donald Trump signed a new $900 billion COVID-19 stimulus package known as the 2021 Consolidated Appropriations Act, the CAA. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about three key changes introduced by this bill that HR parties of one need to know. We'll discuss a brief recap of the Consolidated Appropriations Act, three key changes that came from the new stimulus package, and how HR can prepare for these changes. Let's get started. The Consolidated Appropriations Act, uh, the CAA, is a spending bill that, in addition to funding the U.S. government for the 2021 fiscal year, includes a $900 billion stimulus package to provide relief during the coronavirus pandemic. It's also one of the largest spending bills ever passed by Congress. This $900 billion stimulus package is the focus of our episode today. It's the first piece of major coronavirus legislation passed by Congress since March of 2020, when both the CARES Act and the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, the FFCRA, debuted. Also, the CAA makes adjustments to both the Paycheck Protection Program, which was a component of the CARES Act, and the FFCRA. I encourage you to listen until the end of this episode because we'll dig into exactly how the new stimulus package affects the PPP and the paid family and sick leave, each of which can make immediate impacts on your own team. Additionally, at the onset of the pandemic back in spring of last year, we dedicated several HR Party of One episodes to explaining the different components of the initial relief bills. If you want a refresher on those, I've included links to those prior episodes in this episode's description. But here's the deal. In addition to being one of the most expensive bills ever passed, the new law is actually the longest bill ever passed, clocking in at more than 5,500 pages. There's a lot in there. What we've done for this episode is identify three key takeaways of the CAA that can and will impact small and mid-sized employers right now. The first update you need to know about is related to flexible spending accounts, or FSAs. Simply put, Congress decided to make changes to FSAs because many account owners didn't use their funds as expected last year, in 2020. For example, it's common for employees to use FSA funds to pay for childcare services. During the pandemic, countless people worked from home, and many opted to watch their children instead of sending them to daycare. Indeed, some daycares weren't even open, unlike other pre-tax benefits accounts or savings accounts like health savings accounts or HSAs. FSA dollars generally expire at the end of the calendar year or the plan year. And thanks to this convergence in conditions, many employees faced losing their contributions for the year until Congress intervened in late December. Now, employers are empowered to make 2020 plan year FSAs and dependent care FSAs friendlier for employees in a few different ways. For health FSAs, these changes include an unused funds carryover. Employers can allow the carryover of unused FSA and dependent care FSA funds with no dollar limit from a plan year ending in 2020 and or 2021 to a plan year ending in 2021 and or 2022. And there's an extended grace period too. Employers can extend the FSA and dependent care grace period to up to 12 months after the end of the plan year for a plan year ending in 2020 and or 2021. And this option allows FSA holders to file a claim for an eligible expense in 2020 much later than usual. As a reminder, the typical grace period of coverage indicates an additional two and a half month timeframe in which FSA owners can incur expenses after the end of the plan year. So just two and a half months. Now there's no limit. Also, there's post-termination reimbursement. Employers can allow employees who stopped participating in an FSA last year or even earlier this year to continue receiving reimbursements from unused benefits or contributions through the end of the plan year when participation ended. Also, there can be contribution adjustments. 
Employers can allow employees to change their FSA contributions for plan years ending this year without the need for a qualifying life event. For dependent care FSAs, these include the carryover of unused funds, the extension of grace periods, and contribution adjustments, as well as a carry-forward option for dependents who have aged out of the qualified dependent care range. Now, reimbursement expenses can be permitted for children up to the age of 14 instead of up to age 13. When preparing for these changes, it's essential that employers understand these provisions are optional. That in mind, electing to offer more flexible temporary FSA rules can improve employee morale and help your team make the most of their benefits. HR can take advantage of this new FSA flexibility under the following conditions. First, they need to work with their benefits broker to amend the organization section 125 to allow for the updates. And also, they need to alert their FSA administrator about the adjustments. This way, the administrator can change the employer's plan in its system accordingly. The second major adjustment made by the new stimulus package is the extension of an FFCRA leave tax credit. As a reminder, the FFCRA consisted of three main provisions, which included coverage for COVID-19 testing, paid emergency family and medical leave for coronavirus-related reasons, and emergency paid sick leave for coronavirus-related illnesses. Likewise, under the FFCRA, eligible employers were entitled to a fully refundable tax credit equal to the amount of qualified sick and family leave wages given to employees. So why did Congress make changes? Well, the pandemic isn't over yet. Congress extended the FFCRA tax credit, but not its requirement to offer coronavirus-related leave. In other words, now, while employers are no longer required to offer qualifying FFCRA leave after December 31st, those that elect to continue providing it can get those expenses reimbursed through March of this year. HR needs to know that Congress extended this leave tax credit to encourage employers to continue offering leave when employees have COVID. If your team continues to comply with the FFCRA rules, for example, offering leave that fits qualifying reasons and choosing not to inter interfere, retaliate, or discriminate against these employees, then you can get those expenses reimbursed through the end of March, 2021. If you'd like to know more about FFCRA compliance, I've included a link in the episode description to our HR glossary, where you'll find a detailed definition of the ins and outs of this law. Now, there's a chance that Congress extends this deadline once again, but for now, we recommend continuing to operate like normal if you're still offering FFCRA leave. If you've decided against it, then you need to know that if an employee does get sick and take time off, those expenses can't be reimbursed through the tax credit. The final change I'd like to discuss with you in this episode is related to the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program that was written and discussed much last year. Congress made changes to this sometimes controversial program for, well, a few different reasons. First, in its original form, many large and successful companies qualified for loans and scooped up funding that could have gone to smaller businesses that needed money more immediately. Second, the original PPP excluded certain types of organizations like 501c6s from qualifying for funding. And third, the timing and scope of expenses covered by PPP loans were too narrow. In its original form, funding was provided to help employers pay for salaries and other operational expenses during the pandemic. However, there were limits to PPP loan coverage periods and costs that made it more difficult than it needed to be for businesses to qualify. Now, thankfully, with the passage of this new law, the PPP offers extra flexibility and availability to the businesses that need it most. So let's talk through those changes right now. First, there are changes to first draw participants. The PPP reopened to companies that didn't have a chance to receive funding during the 2020 program, 
including that set of newly qualified groups like 501c6 organizations, which include chambers of commerce and visitors bureaus. The maximum loan amount for first draw participants is $10 million. Second draw participants are now qualified. Certain companies that already received funding during the 2020 program are now eligible to receive additional funding if needed. This is a big change from the previous round of PPP funding. Now businesses with prior loans can receive up to $2 million in additional funding if they meet the following three conditions. If they employ 300 or fewer employees, if they use the entire amount of their first PPP loan on or before the expected date of their second loan disbursement, and if they experienced a revenue reduction of 25% or more in all or a portion of 2020 compared to 2019. New restrictions on eligibility. Publicly traded companies and businesses run by members of Congress, the president, the vice president, and heads of executive departments are no longer eligible for PPP loans. New eligible costs. Businesses that receive PPP funding can use the money to cover new eligible expenses, including PPE and other worker protections and facility modifications, cloud computing services and other software that help facilitate business operations and more. Funding for minority, veteran and women owned businesses. The PPP also set aside billions of dollars for exclusive use by financial institutions that serve minority owned and women owned businesses. The SBA released a three page guide to ensure this funding is available to the appropriate groups. The program is set to remain open through the end of March of this year. So if your organization needs a PPP loan, now's the time to apply. As before, HR can lead this charge by reviewing the qualifications provided by the U.S. Small Business Administration, the SBA, which administers the PPP, and working alongside leadership and accounting to access the appropriate funding that helps keep your business secure during the remainder of this pandemic. Each of these changes comes with a set of more detailed rules and regulations than the summaries I've just outlined. So for your homework this week, I encourage you to read up on each new adjustment included in the latest coronavirus stimulus package, if they apply to your organization. To help you out, I've even included some resources in the episode description so you can get started. As always, don't forget to subscribe to our HR Party of One channel. And here's one final note. As I mentioned earlier, the bill is, well, more than 5,500 pages long. What we've covered today represents only a small but important portion of the aid provided by Congress. Each can directly impact your team's success right now, meaning HR parties of one can and should lead the way out of this pandemic for their businesses and the employees they support. Remember, your job is as strategic as you make it.